this little light of mine Don't you know that I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine Don't you know that I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine Don't you know that I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine When I go to work Don't you know that I'm gonna let it shine When I go to work Don't you know that I'm gonna let it shine When I go to work Don't you know that I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine I'm good We'll wait right here Good morning, church. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, we got some good rain this past week, didn't we? It was wonderful. I love it. If you are visiting with us, we're so happy you're here. And we hope that you come back. We're happy that Carolyn, she was baptized last Sunday. That was wonderful. That was really wonderful. And uh, she was in the, the New Life class, a new Christian class, and, and I'm sure she got a lot out of it. Uh, you know, we, we got something going on here. We got a, we're going we're gonna to have an evangel, evangelistic class on evangelism to kind of help us, uh, going to help us evangelize this area and uh, tell people about Jesus. And that's what we need to do. That's important. Uh, you know what, if uh, whether you like somebody or not, you show that you love them when you tell them about Jesus. And, and I encourage you all to do that. I encourage you all to come and be a part of that training. I'm going to share something with you here. And I want you to be patient with me. Nick Iden came and he spoke to us last Sunday. And uh, uh, some of you was here, some of you, you uh, heard his message. Uh, he gave us uh, his bike story. I knew he, he started out here, but I didn't, I didn't know the bike story. It's really a testimony. Uh, he said that, uh, and I'm gonna try to cut a lot out of it, but he said that uh, he was convicted of a crime and uh, his sentence was to do community service. And uh, so happened uh, he knew somebody, so he did community service here at this church, North Provide Church of Christ. And uh, so what happened to him, he was just thinking, hey, I'm just gonna do my hours, get it done, and go back to whatever, his life. But something happened to him. Something happened to him. While he was here doing community service, he ran into Jesus. Amen. And when he ran into Jesus, his whole life changed. He, his whole life changed. You, you, and you guys know the footnote. Uh, he went to college. He got a degree in Bible. He came back here. He got a job at East Orange Church of Christ, he's their minister. So, you know what? Jesus Christ changed lives. Amen. And that's why we're here, because he changed your life and he changed my life also. So, what I'm trying to say is, we're, we're in the church. We're in heaven right now. 
And you know what? We got to just keep on keeping on. Just keep on keeping on encouraging one another, building one another up, loving one another. We are a part of each other. Let's go to our Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you for this time we have together, Father. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for, for loving us, Father. Father, we ask you bless us as we worship you this morning. Father, keep us tied together. Keep us bonded together in love. Father, let us know that we're not just a special club and we're all here together and we're going to be in-house and we're not going to go outside. We're just going to keep everything to ourselves. That's not why Jesus came. Your son came so that we can share the gospel with others. Father, the harvest is white, it's ready, it is ready, and it needs workers, and we're the workers. Father, thank you for, for making us and sharing with us how we can be fisher, fishermen of men. That's what we're here for, Father. Continue to bless us at North Provide Church of Christ. Continue, Father, as we, we're going to work, work for you. We're going to build up your kingdom, Father. We love you so much. We pray this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning, our congregational reading comes from Matthew 21, verses 31 and 32. Shall we read together? Which of the two did the will of his father, they said? The first, Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe in him. You are my strength when I am weak. You are my treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. you as a precious jewel, or to give up I be a fool. You are my all in to come together today to worship you, to learn about you, to focus our hearts and minds on things greater than this earth can offer. We ask that you allow your radiance and your magnificence just to be reflected by us so that others may see your glory and come to understand you as we do. Father, help our imperfect understanding of you get better and closer to what you desire each and every day. 
Father, we want to lift up some folks that are on the prayer list. We want to lift up Don Page, had a heart attack last Sunday. Prognosis is not good, Father. Please be with him and his family at this time. Father, we want to lift up Krista, whose heart's not pumping well. We want to lift up Heidi, who's recently been hospitalized. And we want to lift up Sandy Tagto's brother-in-law, who had open heart surgery. Father, we also want to remember Dennis, Brenda, Terry, and Gail, and Rita, who are all having health issues or are requesting prayers for, fa for family. Father, we just ask that you be with each of us as we go through the worship service this, this morning. Let us have open minds and hearts. Let us get the word written into our minds and on our hearts so that we may be the Christians that you desire us to be. Father, we ask that you also help us be mindful of the folks who sacrifice their lives so that we can come together and worship you. For those brothers and sisters who are not here sitting with us because they paid the ultimate sacrifice in wars past so that we could be here free. As always, Father, we ask that you be with the elders of this church. Give them guidance and wisdom as they look to minister to this flock and to spread your word in this community. Father, be with us. Help us to always look towards you. And when we look away, encourage us to look back. Help hold our hand in yours at times when we pull it away. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper, shall we sing, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus, right on my heart everywhere. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Let's put aside our worldly thoughts for a few moments 
and remember the last supper that Jesus had and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. Dear Lord, we thank you for the bread which represents the body, which represents the life that he that he showed and maybe try to follow it and use it as an example in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that you shed on the cross. And we're thankful that you did that so you could wash away our sins. In Christ's name, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the many gifts you have given to us in our lives. And as we celebrate Memorial Day, let us not forget all the soldiers who died in wars. And let us be thankful for them, for they sacrificed their lives and gave us the freedom to worship you and freely. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning, I'll be reading Matthew 9, 12-13. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but, the, but sinners. Children second grade and younger may now be dismissed for class. Our song before the lesson this morning is, Oh, They Tell Me of a Home. If it's convenient, shall we stand?
All right, so we're getting back into our series of moments with God. And today we're talking about one that's a little bit personal to me. Always just kind of stuck out to me, always sympathized and related to very well. Matthew, probably can't guess why, right? If you have a biblical name, I don't know if this is just me, but I assume it's probably everybody who's got any kind of part of their name that's biblical. Those characters in the, in, in the, in the Bible, the, 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 I hate calling them characters, the real people. And their names, they kind of draw you. They kind of draw to you. So this one's a very personal one for me. I also will say that the, the, the calling of Matthew just so happens to be Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. And I know um, not everybody's into sports, but 9 was my soccer number my, almost my whole life. Isn't that weird? But we're looking at moments with God, moments that changed everything. And you know, it's interesting that, that this moment with Matthew, it happens, it happens really quick. In fact, all, all you got Mark chapter 2, Luke chapter 5. Matthew chapter 9, they all, they all have this pattern that we're going to look at, this pattern of events that happen in the exact same way. And then that calling of Matthew is just this quick little moment. It's just this little blurb. It's just this little kind of like a, like, a, like a side gig. And everything else is happening around it. But it's a pr profound moment. And if you just read through it really quickly, you'll, you will miss so much of what's What's really happening? So let's, let's get right into it. I also thought we'd have a little bit of fun today and test your knowledge. So there's going to be a bit of trivia along the way. We'll see how smart the congregation is, okay? If you get every single question I ask right today, you're smarter than the preacher. Maybe. Maybe. It's a little bit harder than being smarter than a fifth grader. So Matthew chapter 9 starts like this. Again, you can look at Luke uh, chapter 5, Mark chapter 2. They, they all say the same exact stuff in succession. Just they have a little bit of details which we'll sprinkle in. Okay. And getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. Now this is talking about Jesus. I'll give you that much of a hint. But where was Jesus' home city? Where was Jesus' home city? Nazareth, I heard. Bethlehem, I heard. Galilee, you're getting closer. Capernaum, who said it? Brilliant. Capernaum is correct. Capernaum is correct. You know, a lot of times we think of Bethlehem because he was born there. We think of Nazareth because that's where his family was from. But when John gets beheaded, he leaves Nazareth. And he makes his home in Capernaum. This is where he's heading to. He's heading to Capernaum. Oh, by the way, Matthew just so happens to be a tax collector who lives in Capernaum. Now, if you don't know about Capernaum, I'm about to introduce you to some very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. It says this. Now, when he heard, this is Matthew chapter 4. This is just to show you that he moved there. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Okay? Look what it says about Capernaum. Look what it says about this region that Jesus decided, oh, you know what? This looks like a great place. This is where I'll put my home. This is where I will make my home. He says, the people dwelling in darkness... The people dwelling in darkness will receive a great light. They'll, have, they'll get to see a great light in the midst of all this darkness. And then it says, for those dwelling in the region, so not just Capernaum, but the area surrounding Capernaum. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? That's Capernaum. This is where Jesus goes and sets up shop. I don't know if anybody else is seeing like a lesson in that. 
But rather than running from the darkness, maybe we need to bring light to it. Maybe we need to bring light to it. That's what he did. He went and set up his home right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. He says this himself. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11. I gave you verse 20 to kind of show you what's going on. It says, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. So Capernaum happens to be on this list. Look what he says about it. He says, and you Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom. Everybody know what Sodom is? Sodom and Gomorrah, you got that? He says, if Sodom and Gomorrah would have experienced what you experienced in Capernaum, they'd still be here. You know what he's saying? He's saying they would have repented. And they'd still be here. But you, Capernaum, you've had all this. You've seen all this. And yet you still do not believe and you still do not repent. That's Capernaum. This is Jesus' hometown. You ever heard a prophet is without honor in his hometown? You ever heard that? Somebody famous said that, I think. Yeah, Jesus, that's right. Prophets without honor in his hometown. This is his hometown. They don't believe him. They don't believe him. Now, not everybody, but... This is what he's grown up in. This is what he's dealing with. Not growing up in because he really is in his adult life starting his ministries when he moves here. So let's get back to verse 2 of Matthew chapter 9. And behold, some people brought him. So he's come across. He's got off the boat. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of this might be starting to ring a bell with you. Because there's very few times where Jesus looks at a group of friends and their faith, and, and, and that's what moves them to heal the person sitting in front of them. Can you think of any other times? Some of you might be thinking of that time where those, those friends, they, um, they, um, they've got the, they're carrying the paralytic, you remember? And they're trying to get into the house. And there's no room. There's no way to even get in the door. So they get up on the roof and they tear the hole in the roof. You remember that? Do you know whose house that was? <laughs> Do you know whose house that was? What if I told you that that time I just described is actually this time? Would that surprise you? It surprised me. So if it surprised you, you're okay. Peter's home? Good guess. Good guess. Let me show you. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum, remember Mark chapter 2, Luke 5, you're going to see these same exact events in succession. Same exact events. That's very rare, actually, in the four Gospels to see everything in the same order. So pay attention when you see that. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Whose home is it? Whose home is it? It's Jesus' home. It's Jesus' home. When you read that story next time and you think about Jesus just preaching, you know, hey, no big deal. It's not like it's his roof that's getting the hole torn in it, right? No, it was. No, it was. It was his home. And many were gathered together so that there, were, there was no more room, not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near the, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now let's go back. What happens in that moment? If you look at Mark and Luke, you will also see that it's not just the scribes that are the bad guys in this moment. The Pharisees are there too. 
And he said, and, the, and behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, they were saying this to themselves in their heart of hearts, in their, in their mind, they were thinking this to themselves. They were maybe even muttering under their breath, but not in a way that Jesus should have been able to hear him. It says, this man is blaspheming. Why? Because he forgave the paralytic of his, of his sins. Jesus, knowing their thoughts. Can you imagine that? Just for one second. Just imagine knowing everybody's thoughts in this room right now. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a headache? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know. Look. Look what he says right here, super important. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Why am I about to do this miracle? So you will know that Jesus has authority to forgive sins. He says, he, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your mat and go home. Pick up your bed and go home. And he arose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Now here's the other question you have to ask yourself in this moment. What authority are they talking about? What authority are they talking about? Are they talking about the authority to heal a paralytic? Or are they talking about the authority to forgive sin? Because when you look at Mark 2, what's it say? It says, we never saw anything like this. What did they never see? Somebody say your sin's forgiven? Or someone who was paralyzed get up and walk? Luke says they said we saw extraordinary things today. I think the authority they were worried about, they were blown away by, was not the fact that, they, that Jesus could forgive sins. I think it was the fact that he could heal a paralyzed man. They were missing the point, he says, I will heal this man to show you the more powerful thing, which is I can forgive sin. In fact, he becomes forgiveness of sins, doesn't he? This is Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at, a, at the tax booth and he said to him, Follow me, and he arose and followed me. Now, one of the things I want you to see is Matthew is one of the people who does not admit he's a tax collector. He's not first one to throw himself under the bus. And you know what? Mark doesn't either. But Mark adds something. Mark says, hey, actually there was this big crowd and they were following Jesus and Jesus was teaching them. And in a moment where he's being followed and pursued by this crowd and, and, and Jesus is teaching him, he looks over at Matthew who's sitting at this tax booth and he says, hey, come follow me. He also wants you to know he's the son of Alphaeus, if that means anything to any of y'all. It didn't to me, but maybe it does to you. I don't know Alphaeus. Luke, on the other hand, he makes sure everybody knows Matthew wasn't just sitting at the tax collector's booth, you know, like filling in. He was a tax collector. And he had something, too. He said, in this moment, to move from that booth, he had to make the decision to leave everything. To leave everything. Everything he knew, all the protection he had from the Romans, all the, the status that he had in life because he was a tax collector. Some of you are going, man, I, I don't know, but I wouldn't think being working for the IRS would be probably the most popular job. It wasn't. But it had its perks. It had its perks. He left everything. And after Matthew is called, it says, and as Jesus reclined at table, look how he writes this. This is so interesting to me. As Jesus reclined at table in the house. Which house? Jesus' house? 
Peter's house? Matthew's house. He took him to his own house and he made this huge feast for him. And you know what he probably did? He probably invited a lot of his friends, which by the way, just so happened to be tax collectors and sinners. Imagine that. Don't forget the land you live in. Capernaum's not exactly the place everybody goes to to be righteous. No, that's not what the prophet Isaiah said. Prophet Isaiah said they're going to be in darkness. So he makes them a great feast at his home. And in that process, he's got tax collectors and he's got sinners and they're all reclining at the table. And here come. Actually, let me go back here. Here come the Pharisees. And they're saying, doesn't your master know? Think about this. One of, one of the disciples is a tax collector. One of your eyewitness accounts that you read about today in this world to get back to the time of Jesus, to understand the son of God is a tax collector. And the Pharisees are coming up and they're saying to Jesus, to his disciples, don't, doesn't your master know who he's eating with? Does he know? I mean, I wouldn't be caught dead with those people. It's probably not a good look. I mean, they're sinners. They're not just sinners, they're tax collectors. What's a tax collector at this point in time? It's not the IRS. They're not collecting money for the United States. They're collecting money for the Roman Empire. They're stealing from the Jews and collecting money for the Roman Empire. That's what they're doing. This is betrayal. This is betrayal to your own people. This is doing the bidding of your enemy. Don't you know who you're sitting with? You know, if he's so smart and he knows everybody's thoughts and he's a son of God, don't you think at least he'd know who he's sitting with? I mean, it's tax collectors. It's people that, in all honesty, it's going to start rumors. It's going to make people gossip. Probably not a good look. Jesus heard this. And to me, this is the most important part of the whole lesson. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick. Obviously, they need a physician. Then he says to them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I love that Luke adds this because it kind of brings it all together. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right? Romans 6, may it never be. By no means. Y'all remember that? Shall I go on sinning? No. So what's Matthew's moment? It all goes by kind of quick. You know, I don't know if he saw the paralytic. I'm sure he heard about it. And I'm sure that's not the only miracle he heard about before Jesus ever called him. Because if you go and you do a word search on Capernaum, just go one day, go to Bible Gateway, go to Google. You can go anywhere, really, and, and just search out the word Capernaum in Scripture. And what you will find is that it is littered, littered in the Gospels with moments where Jesus is doing amazing things in Capernaum. So what's the moment? What's the moment? You've got the healing, and while he's healing, you've got people yelling, blasphemy. 
blasphemy. He says he can forgive sins, blasphemy. Then you got the moment where he's teaching and, 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 and Matthew's got to make that decision. Am I going to leave everything behind? Am I going to change who I am? Am I going to become this different person in this moment? Or am I going to stay who I am in the comfort of my space? Getting by the way I always have. And he's got the moment where he's at his house and he's invited his friends. And, and of course, the Pharisees, the religious leader, the, the people who should be like Jesus are the first ones to say, don't you know who you're in the house with? Don't you know the type of people you're surrounding yourself with? And of course, it brought me to Luke 18. Of course it did. How can you not see it? It's the parable where Jesus talks about the, the Pharisee and, and the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector and, and they've, they've come to pray. And the Pharisee walks in and he's proud and his, his pride literally has blinded him. That's what it's done. It's blinded him from himself. He can't see who he is. I want you to see this. He can't see who he is. You know who he sees? You know who he sees when he sees himself? He sees a man that is better than most men. That's why he starts out his prayer like, thank God. I'm not like that guy. Thank the Lord that I am way better than that guy. Thank you that I am not the tax collector. That's how he starts. He's better. He's better than everybody. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then he talks about all the amazing things. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. I hold the letter of the law. But the tax collector, he doesn't even come close. He can't even get close. He doesn't feel worthy. He doesn't feel like he should be there. So he stands far off. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He can't even look at God. All he can do is look down. Why can't he? Why? Because he's humble. It's a posture. It's a recognition. It's a reverence. Instead, he beats his chest. I can relate to that part too. I don't know about you, but when you're hurting, when you're feeling down, sometimes it does feel good just to beat your chest. And he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, but rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, Matthew understood in this moment. This is his moment with God. He's a tax collector. He's been invited in by Jesus. Why? Because he recognizes he's a sinner and he's left it all to pursue Jesus. He's left it all to follow Jesus. The whole time the Pharisees and the scribes, the people who should look like Jesus, are the ones that are pointing everybody out for everything they did wrong and why they're better than everybody else. I want you to think about this. This is where I'm leaving it. But I want you to think about this. These are the things. Put them together. These are the things Jesus said. He said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then for everyone who exalts himself, he will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Put it all together. Put it all together. We're all in need of the great physician. We're all in need of the healing. Only the Lord can provide. And when you start to think you don't need it anymore, be prepared. You're ready to fall. Because if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. God will pick you up. God will lift you up. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You know, the reality is, is you can ask for forgiveness. You can, you can um, recognize your wrongs. That's part of what the sacrifice was. It was atonement. It was that recognition that there is so much that I need to repent 
of. But if you can't forgive others, if you can't show others mercy, see, isn't that the problem the Pharisees are having? They see everything wrong with those guys, but they don't see nothing wrong with what they're doing. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I got news for you. That means he's come to call all of us. The problem is the Pharisees didn't recognize themselves as sinners. They recognized themselves as righteous. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only by the grace of God and the mercy of God that we can restore that relationship through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So are you humble? Are you merciful? Are you in need of a physician? Are you a sinner who's repented? If you are, you're as good as Matthew. And Jesus is saying, leave it all behind and come and follow me. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood, received the forgiveness of sins and been added to the kingdom, getting the Holy Spirit, us becoming the temple of God? And for those of us who have, are we living like the Pharisees? Or are we living like the converted tax collector? Because the world sees it. And they should know, just to use an old line from an old song, they should know we are Christians by our what? By our love. By our love. Where are you at tonight? If there's a need to respond today, if there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come. It's together we stand and sing. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate each of you being here this morning to worship with us. We invite you back tonight as we worship at 5 o'clock this evening. I have a few announcements. First of all, the food pantry is open this Tuesday, not on Monday as usual, but on Tuesday because of the holiday. And we'll need some help bagging bread today right after the service. If you can help us, please go into the back and help do that. We'll also need some more help on Tuesday if you have time then. If you have questions about any of that, see Sue or Mike. I don't think they're here today, so uh, Marcia will probably be in charge of the bagging the bread. She can answer your questions. There will be a senior adult game this Thursday, June 1st, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. 12 p.m., yeah. There will be a taco and enchilada lunch at noon. Uh, if you're a senior adult and you have time, please plan to be a part of that. Next Sunday evening, we return to the 6 p.m. worship hour on the evening worship. Please make note of that so you're not a little early. On June 4th, also next, e next Sunday evening, 
We'll be honoring our two high school graduates, Timothy Boudreaux and Mark Gatt. Please bring finger foods and homemade ice cream and join in that fellowship. Our Vacation Bible School is June 14th through the 16th from 6 p.m. to 8.30 each evening. Please start making plans to be here for that. We also want to remind you that on the back of your bulletin this morning is a form that you can use to nominate someone that you would like to see serve as a deacon to serve this congregation. Please give your form to one of the elders by next Sunday. <clears throat> Most of you are aware that Don Page is in very dire health. He is uh, in, not in pain, but in a very serious condition. Please pray for Don and his family as they all go through this together. Sandy Tagto asks your prayers for her brother-in-law who just had open heart surgery. Uh, the surgery went well. Please pray for a good recovery. Courtney Walls also asks that you pray for her sister, Krista, who's having heart problems as well. Thank you. So I wanted to give an update on the cornrows that we had uh, last week over at the Bible camp. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, the corn was very good, and they even ran out of corn and had to make more as we were waiting to to eat that and they had pulled pork with it um, and different three different kinds of cobbler so we had a it, it was a good time there was all kinds of stuff going on we had a great turnout at the same time there was also a youth event going on there so that um, that helped bring a little bit more excitement to the camp as well as this bus trip I heard about this bus trip they terrified faces in the back there you can see them no but the Fitzgeralds they did a great job um, driving the bus over and and uh, we had a we had a good sized group not not pictured as um, Trey and Natalie we missed their picture and the Woodruffs they were also there and they had they brought friends as well so um, there was uh, it, it was a good time there's William enjoying his corn and uh, so there was a smoker there, it used to be the smoker for the camp and they converted it into a grill. So that was, that was good to see. And so that's what they roasted the corn on. So, and they had a serving line set up. And thank you for Mike helping us in the, in the canteen. We had to serve drinks and, and um, ice cream and sodas and everything. And that little, if you've ever been over there, this little bitty shack that we have there there wasn't enough room i'm like we got to do something different next year um so last sunday was the day of prayer for the camp um i made it this sunday we can always use prayers um as you know um covid squashed a lot of stuff for for the lord's church um the camp of course has been victim to that as well we're just trying to get the momentum going again uh, we got, we're working on a few different things. Um, we're also, uh, we're coming up with what we call a legacy club. And that's going to be a way that you can contribute monthly. Um, and there'll be different tiers of that. I will have more information. We haven't really launched that yet. But we are coming up with um, a way that you can contribute monthly and, and have different tiers of, of giving. Um, the at, at what you see on the screen i'm, I'm going to pray for for each of those of, of those topics but you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of social issues working our way into the lord's church um and the and the board is having to talk about weightier topics um of different social issues i won't really get into that but those will be um written into our into the rules um, and the policies when kids sign up for camp. So we're having to, we're having to work out these sort of things. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and pray. And if you would like to pray along with me, thank you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your son's church. We thank you 
that he died for us and, and is here living with us and helping us through each day. Father, as we um, walk in our Christian life, there's things that come in our way that, that are, are difficult and, and there's times of joy as well. We thank you so much for the times that we are able to have over at Bible Camp. We're thankful for the time that the kids can, can come over and grow spiritually. We're thankful for the time that adults can also come at, throughout the entire year for different activities and grow spiritually and be together and, and fellowship and grow with one another. We do pray, Father, for the, for the mission of the camp and the vision of, of the things that are to come. We do pray for the kids' spiritual growth. We pray for the volunteers that go over there all the time and, and sacrifice their time. We pray for them that you continue to make them strong. We pray for the board. We pray for the board's wisdom and leadership to carry this camp into the future so this camp is always here. We, we pray for the staff that is there. We pray for them to, to be able to endure and, and, and run the camp and make decisions that, that carry it into the future as well. But most of all, Father, we, we pray for your will in, in, all of the, in all of the things going on at camp. We pray, Father, for the wisdom that you can give us to help our, our youth grow in you and to have a fun summer at camp. Father, we thank you of all of the blessings that you give us every day father we often take for granted and we don't often realize how good we have it but father if we just look around we can see all of the great things that we have in our lives each day thanks to you and your blessings that you continue to shower upon us father we pray all these things in your son's name jesus christ amen Shall we stand for our closing song? What am I? just like the tax collector. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, we're like the tax collector, Father, that we're not perfect. We know we're not perfect, Father. We, the knowledge that we have of the Bible is what you left to us to learn, Father, that, that we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But, Father, you love us to all the same you you gave your son to come here and and show us that we can be better that we are better that we have the word but we're always going to fall short and you you step in and and you give us salvation you give us each other you give us this church and father was so blessed that we're able to have these things. And as we pray of this weekend, a sacrifice that was made on the behalf of free will, as we go over the subjects so often on Wednesday, Wednesday night, how powerful free will is, how it could easily be 
abused and overlooked the free will that Adam and Eve had in the garden and they ate of the fruit and they learned goodness and sin. Free will, Father, is we, we can't make people love us. We can love each other, but we can't make somebody love us. Free will is very powerful, and so is freedom. In this country, Father, we have freedom. And it's hard, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing to grasp, you know, and, and to get along and, and to have the freedom that we have in this country. Other countries are told what to do, what to eat, where to go, how to speak, what they can say, what they can't say. We have the all-powerful freedom in this country. So, Father, as we go through the week and uh, finish our weekend and, and enjoying each other and the family time and uh, be with those that are traveling, keep them safe, let us just be mindful of how lucky and how blessed we are and let us cherish this thing that we have freedom and it takes all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.